If you have your Bibles, please turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Um, when I was a kid, aside from my parents, the best gifts came on a brown UPS truck from my godparents. We called them Auntie Cory and Uncle Roy, my, my, my godparents, but my aunt, Auntie Cory and Uncle Roy, and they would send packages. They didn't, they didn't send them by USPS. They sent them by the big brown UPS truck, and they would have perfectly taped uh, car- a cardboard box with my Aunt Cory's perfect hand lettering uh, block script on the address label, and they would say, Master Danny Slavich. Master Danny Slavich. And, and they would send us the best gifts, other than my parents, of anyone that we knew. And so we couldn't wait to hear that low rumble and the sh- kind of sound of the UPS truck, truck stopping at the curb because we knew at Christmas time that someone, most specifically Annie Corey and Uncle Roy, had sent us uh, great gifts, and they were on the way from them. In a similar way, at Christmas time, um, we celebrate the best gifts that we could have ever received being sent to us. It's like the, the Christmas season is like the, 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 the faint rumble of the truck outside at the curb, that we are aware that something good is on the way. And we are aware that God has sent the best gifts to us. And anyone who will receive it, who will open the door and take receipt of that package of the gift that God has sent, that He has so carefully and lovingly and generously prepared for us, um, anyone who will receive that is in for a great, great Christmas. That's the message of Galatians 4, 1 through 7 in the, in, in the Bible. If you have your Bible there, if you don't have a Bible, we do have some copies available. Just slip up your hand and Robert will get you one. And, uh, and we're going to be in verses uh, 1 through 7 of Galatians 4. Now, I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion... God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Let's pray and ask God to just open our hearts up to to what He wants to say to us this morning. Lord, I just ask that you would open up your word to us and open us up to your word, that we would see the, the Christmas gifts that you have sent, that the gifts you've sent to us at, that we celebrate at Christmas time, and, um, and that would just, just deeply uh, dwell in our hearts, and, uh, and Lord, you would use this message uh, in exactly the way it's needed for each person who's here. Lord, no one is here by accident. Every person who's here is here because you have brought them here. 
And every person who's here is here because they need to hear from you. Not from me, but from you. And so you know exactly the way to apply this, this message uh, to their hearts, and I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would um, just open, open up, open up the, 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 the people uh, of your church to your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what makes something a good gift? What makes something a good gift? Well, I, I posted on Facebook this week and asked, what's the best gift you've ever received? Um, a friend of mine said, my daughter was born on December 25th, so it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, it stinks for her, right? You know, cause, but, um, and then a lot of people said kids and grandkids. Uh, I think Kathy said a Barbie dream house. Um, another friend of mine who's a pastor, his wife said that one year he bought her a house for, for Christmas, and so that was a pretty, pretty good gift. What, what makes something a good gift? Well, I think a good gift is something that fills both a deep desire that is also a deep need. It, it, it's, it's something that meets something we're longing for inside and something also that we need. God has offered the world the gift of freedom from slavery. And, 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 and he, has, he has offered to us this deepest longing that we have to be set free, whether we realize it or not, which is also our deepest need. Freedom, liberation. I, I, know, I don't know about you, but when you, if you've ever given your kids a time out, you know the longing and the desire for liberation. You, the, those are the five longest minutes in the universe. If you're in timeout for five minutes, it is, it is like an eternity of bondage, right, for, for, for a kid in timeout. Just the longing to be free. Um, the, the stories you hear from the, the tragic um, season of slavery in the United States and the, the longing for freedom. There's something in us that, that just longs to be free from captivity. For our kids, it's often when we're in the pool and they are being mean to each other, we make them get out of the pool and sit in a chair outside of the pool. And they're in bondage in the pool chair while the rest of us are in freedom in the pool. Um, sitting outside of the fun, outside of, the, of, of what they are longing to be a part of. A good gift fills a deep longing, but it also... That longing corresponds to a deep need. And in Galatians 4, 1 through 3, we see that God, uh, that the, the scripture explains that God's people were in slavery prior to Christmas. Before Christmas, this is the theme of the entire Old Testament storyline. The story of, is the story of God liberating his people from slavery. So that's the story of the people are in Egypt and God raises up Moses, and he sets them free from slavery. And then the people disobey God a thousand years later, and he sends them into captivity in Babylon. And then he sets them free from slavery. And what the text here in Galatians 4, 1 through 3 is saying is that before Christmas, there is just this constant rhythm of bondage and freedom, and bondage again, but ultimately bondage. Look at verse 1. It says, I say that an heir, when he is a child, differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set 
by his father. Verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of this world. Paul's, Paul's point here is that the most profound experience of slavery that anyone could ever experience is the slavery and the bondage we have to sin and to the created order. The most profound experience of slavery was, is that even when the people were liberated from Egypt, they were still enslaved. Even when they were set free from captivity to Babylon, they were still enslaved. Both for Jews and non-Jews, they were enslaved. For the Jews, it was displayed in the fact that God gave them this law. He gave them these commandments, and they were unable to obey the commandments. They were unable to obey the law of God, and they showed that they were enslaved to sin. For the people who were not Jews, the Gentiles, God didn't give them the law, but he gave them conscience, and he, he gave them the general witness of his revelation in the, in the created order, and they couldn't even obey the, the limited ability, the limited knowledge they had of what God wanted from them that he'd given to them, and, and their, their slavery was demonstrated as well. Both Jews and non-Jews, everybody is under, under the law, under captivity to the created order. The law for Jews, the created order for Gentiles. In, uh, in Galatians, this, 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 this idea of being under something is, is throughout the text. Now, Galatians was a, a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to a group of Christians who had abandoned the gospel of grace. They thought, Jesus is great, but I also need to get circumcised, or I also need to obey the law. And, and Paul writes this, this, this really, really harsh letter saying, saying that, that anyone who preaches another gospel is, is, is cursed to hell. And what, the, the, the Galatians have been bewitched. They've been, they've been tricked, and, and what, what he's saying is that they're under the law, 323, under a curse, 310, under sin, 322, under a custodian, 325, under guardians and trustees, 42, under the elements, 43. And this, this is their reality, but this is not the way God intended for them to live. This is not what God intends for people. Slavery is not his intention. What is his intention? One of our purpose statement as a church is to help people find life like God intended by bringing people to God and bringing people together through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we believe that when people are brought to God in wholehearted worship and they're brought together in authentic community and they're given a sense of the, the fact that God has commissioned them for a purpose and a mission in the world that they begin to experience the life that God offers to them in Christ. God intends for us to experience life Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the first chapter, the first book of the whole thing. This is what God says is his intention. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature. God designed us to be kings and queens on the earth under his ultimate lordship. He designed us to rule over the creation as, 
as beneficent rulers under his sovereignty. This is how God designed the world, was for us to rule over creation. But instead, what Paul says in Galatians is that we are ruled over by creation. We're subjected to the longings we have for the created order rather than for the creator. Instead of being rulers of the creation, we are ruled over by the creation. We're enslaved. We're enslaved to our longings for a house with an ocean access canal. Or maybe it's not quite that big. Like if I could just get Apple AirPods, right? So, my bir- I, so, so I'm, a, I'm a December birthday. My birthday is Wednesday, and I have been dropping not-so-subtle hints, as in, I want this. I want Apple AirPods for my birthday. This is, what, this is all I want. I don't ask for much. I want Apple AirPods. Am I enslaved to that desire? I don't know. We're enslaved to the creation. What, what's the most common form of slavery? We're enslaved to the opinions of other people. Another created person rules over us by their opinion of us. We are enslaved to the creation. And we're longing for something better. Habakkuk, excuse me, Haggai 2.7 speaks of something called the desire of the nations. All of the longings of the human heart find their fulfillment in what, what this this. What Haggai 2.7, now I know you probably don't read a lot of Haggai, but there's this beautiful phrase there, the desire of the nations. That's the old King James translation. I'm using the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, and, and it says Haggai 2.6 and 7. Listen to this. For the Lord of armies says this, once more in a little while, I'm going to share the heavens and, uh, and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I think my, I typed this out by hand and I think that share is wrong. It's, I think that was an autocorrect. The sea and the dry land. I will shake, that's the word I'm looking for, the nations so that the treasures of the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. The treasures of the nations are the desires of the nations. In the original context, the nations are all who are outside of the Jewish faith and the Jewish community. And what it says is they're going to bring everything they consider valuable into the city of God. Isaiah 60 shows that all of the greatest kings and rulers and CEOs and entrepreneurs and everyone who's anyone with anything is going to be bringing their treasures into the city of God at the end of time. That is the destiny of all good things on this earth, is to be brought and put before the throne of God as an act of worship, either in subjection because of rejection in this life or in worship and adoration because of repentance and faith in this life. The best gifts are ones we put at the foot of the Father. The best gifts fill our deepest desires and also our deepest needs. God sent the best Christmas gifts. That's the second half of Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Now, the word gifts, plural, is not an accident. Hold on to that thought. But notice what it says in verse 4. When the time came to completion, God sent His Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So the first great gift God sent is His Son. Now that's no surprise to you, perhaps. 
you maybe saw where I was going with that. Maybe this is not a big aha moment. But notice what it says there. When the time came to completion, literally in, in the Greek, it's when the fullness of time came. And it's the picture of an hourglass. If you think about, there's the top bulb and the bottom bulb, and there's the little glass neck, and there's all these grains of sand, and they, they're sliding through from the top to the bottom. And the fullness of time is the picture of all the time in the, all the stuff in the top has filtered through to the bottom. And now the time is full and the time is complete. And God, when the time was perfect, sent his son. Notice in verse two, it says that the person is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So here's, here's what this means. God is sovereign over time. God is sovereign over the time of the arrival of the Messiah. God is sovereign over the time of the repentance and faith over any single individual. God is sovereign over the pre-Christian season of world history. And God is sovereign over the pre-Christian season of any individual person. That God is the Lord of time. And what this means is, is that there is nothing in your life that goes on for one second longer or one second shorter than God intends. That God is the Lord of time. And, and there's no person in South Florida who will remain lost one minute longer than God's perfect plan intends. And what he's calling us to do is to bear witness to the gift of the Son sent by the Father. What we see is that every, what, what, what God sent these gifts into the world because people were under, under subjection to the created order, and they were truly longing for the Son of God. So when somebody watches pornography, they're actually longing for Jesus, and they're looking for Jesus on the screen. When somebody drinks too much, they're looking for Jesus at the bottom of the bottle. When somebody is, is, too, is, is, just, is just obsessed with buying things and spending money, they're looking for Jesus at the checkout register or the Amazon shopping cart. When somebody works too much so that they can get more and get higher up the ladder, they're looking for Jesus at the top of the ladder, or they're looking for Jesus at the bottom line of their bank balance. When somebody wants to just have a happy, normal family, and they don't want, they don't want all of the, the big, fancy stuff, they just want a happy, normal, comfortable life, what they're really looking for is the life of the family of God and the life and, and the rest that God, only God can provide in eternity. The deepest desire of the world and the deepest desire of the human heart is for the one God sent so many years ago born of a woman, born under the law, fulfilling Genesis 3.15. Adam and Eve, the first ancestors, disobeyed God and they, they, they fell into sin. And God says, because of your fall into sin, this, you've separated yourselves. You've separated yourself from each other. You've separated yourself from me. You've separated your soul from your body in death and you will experience spiritual death and physical death and ultimately eternal death and that there's no way for you to get out of it. And so I'm going to send, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, the, the, the descendant of the woman, to crush the head of the seed of the serpent, to be born as Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die a sinner's death, to be buried and raised from the dead, so that anyone who turns from their sin and trusts in him can have eternal life. 
Jesus exercised his power and his authority by perfectly obeying the law. And by being under the law, it says here in Galatians 4, verse 4, he showed that he was Lord over the law. He subjected himself under the law to show that he was, in fact, the Lord who gave the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, verse 10 says, by becoming a curse for us. And he suffered the penalty of breaking the law, though he never had broken the law. And when he was crucified, this ancient Roman method of of execution called crucifixion, where they drove spikes into his wrists and through his ankles, and they hung him up until he drowned in his own bodily fluid. But it wasn't just the physical death. It was the spiritual anguish of losing the sense of the favor of his father for the first time in literally forever. And he cried, it is finished. And he came to die in the place of all who would trust in him. Anyone who would recognize their slavery and turn to Jesus for forgiveness and freedom. And it says here, anyone who does that receives adoption as sons. Verse 5. Now some of you are thinking, oh, see, the Bible is sexist. Adoption as sons. Well, that, what does that mean? Well, it's actually the opposite of sexist. And here's why. Because in the ancient world, only the son could receive inheritance from the father. But what, what Paul says here is that everyone, black or white, young or old, rich or poor, male or female, will receive the right of inheritance. So the Bible actually elevates people of all differences, differences all across the board. That's why he says in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. So adoption as sons is the opposite of sexist and patriarchal. It is saying that everyone who is in Christ is an heir of the Father's riches. Anyone who's a son can receive the second Christmas gift. Verse 6, because you are sons... God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. It's exactly the same word. God sent his son. God sent his spirit. The spirit crying, Abba, Father. Here's something to notice. Abba is Hebrew. Father is Greek. Now it's English. It's translated into English. But what we see here is that from the very beginning, the church was a bilingual community. The church was a multi-ethnic community. The church was a community made up of people from all different backgrounds, from all different situations, from all different socioeconomic situations, from all different ethnic heritages. He says that the Father sends the Son to save sinners, to adopt them, and then seals them with the Spirit to fill them and remind them that He loves them. So what we see here is that the whole Trinity... Now, people, people don't like the Trinity. Trinity freaks people out because it's hard to understand. It's a mystery. We shouldn't really talk about it. But actually, what we see here is that the Trinitarian conspiracy in, 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 in our salvation is at the heart of the gospel itself. That the whole Trinity is in on this conspiracy to save people from their sin, to set them free from their bondage to the created order. And he, he summarizes here in verse 7, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if you're a son, then God has made you an heir. What could be better than this? For a couple of uh, years now, there's, there's been this video floating around 
of, um, of this young boy. I think he's 11 years old. And he, uh, he's opening gifts with his family. And he gets this last gift. And he starts to unwrap it, and they're videoing it. And he opens it. And he looks at it. And he starts laughing a little bit. And then he looks at it again. And his mom says, read it. And he looks at it. And he just goes like this. And he just starts to cry. And he goes and his, this, uh, this man in the, comes out of the side of the, the frame and takes him. And he's, he just, he's on his knees. There's wrapping paper everywhere. And they just grab arms around each other for like 10 seconds. And he's just crying. 11-year-old boy. Because what the, the gift was, it was a framed certificate that said that his mom's husband, who'd been in his life for a long time, was going to legally adopt him as his son. And, and, and you, you watch this video, and every, I, I, every time I watch it, I just cry, because you see this kid, and maybe it's because he looks a lot like my own son, and he's opening this gift, and he looks, and he goes, it's all this. And then he reads it, and he's, he gets it. I wonder if that's what God wants to do in your heart this Christmas season. Maybe you've never opened the gift of Christmas and never trusted in Christ, and that's what you need to do. Mention that connection card. There's a spot there to say, I want to start that relation. I want to become a Christian. But may, maybe, maybe you are a Christian but maybe you've opened the gift and you've looked at it, but you've never really looked at it. You've never really seen what's there. You've never really seen how much God loves you and what he offers to you. And he's offering this to you. And will you receive it? And if you have received it, will you really read it? Will you really see what the Father has offered to you in his Christmas gifts? And if you have received it, and if you get it, well, that's where the red invite card comes back in. Because if you've received it and you get it, then how can you not want to invite other people into it? Let's pray. Lord, we, um, we just want to say thank you We're going we're gonna to spend all eternity thinking about this and, and learning to get it afresh. But Lord, some of us, we've opened the gift, but we've never really read the certificate. We've never really seen the fullness of what you've done for us. And I just pray you would drive that into our hearts afresh this Christmas season. Lord, some of us have never opened, we've never, we've never turned from our sin and trusted in Jesus, and we know that the time is now, and we know now is the day of salvation, now is the appointed time, and so we pray, I pray for any in that moment that they would not wait, and Lord, that you would get, use us to bring others into the, 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 the grace and the joy of the gift that you've offered to us and that you've given to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.